Ian Scotto here. You are checking out Battleline Podcast, where we talk to members of the special operations military community, um, and then people in that extended community that I find out about or Chris finds out about. In this case, Chad Solomon, who is a guy who's just truly inspiring, came back from a massive back injury to then competing in an Ironman, the ultimate triathlon. Uh, for those who don't know about the Ironman, I, I think most of you probably do, but it's intense. 2.4 mile swim. I pulled this up because I always get the numbers wrong. 2.4 mile swim to then a 112 mile bicycle ride and then a full marathon. I could never do this. I will be the first to say. Um, and, and you know, I hate negative self-talk of, oh, I can't do this, but my swimming and my biking would just never be up to par to do that. Marathon, maybe. I did a half marathon. And and although it was a great accomplishment, I remember after I did the half marathon being like, I'm never doing that again. <laughs> but who knows? Maybe again someday. I've gotten more into the weight training stuff, and I just don't do as much cardio nowadays. I'm not as intense with it as Chris. Um, but Chad's story is is awesome. I think you guys are going to love it. As you could hear, just me here this episode, because as many of you know, Chris had his annual event in Florida, which I couldn't make because I'm going to be moving to Florida at the end of next month. So we'll just be there and back and there and back. And then also we had to get an episode done and I have to get all these episodes done before I move as well. So it's uh, it's been busy. And I'm sure a lot of you listening uh, when you hear this on Monday, we're at the event. So I hope it went awesome. Uh, great charitable event for the 14th Hour Foundation, which is going to help a lot of veterans and, and veterans' families. Uh, before we get to Chad, I actually found out about Chad Solomon through our friends at NED. If you're not on the NED mailing list, even if you, you haven't ordered from them or anything, get on there because they, they really put out some really inspiring emails of people who have used the product and are doing great things in totally different walks of life. And in the case of Chad, it was competing in the Ironman. And I'm not surprised because their products, uh, no matter what level you're competing at or just trying to be the best version of yourself, are, are truly great because recovery is one of the most essential parts of training or just functioning as a human being and not walking around like a zombie. You need to get sleep and you need to get a deep sleep if possible. You know, that, that deep delta sleep, which is often erroneously referred to as uh, as um, REM sleep, which I actually learned that from the great Victor Conti, who's another uh, another really amazing guy in the supplement realm. But I remember listening to an interview with him and watching his talks and getting in that Delta sleep where you're really uh, dreaming. It, it helps. And you do get there through full spectrum hemp. So uh, CBD is, is great. And Ned is a wellness brand offering science-backed and nature-based solutions that offer an alternative to prescription drugs. And just some of the benefits you're going to see from using full-spectrum hemp is it's a sleep aid, also used to treat insomnia. It's an anti-inflammatory and a natural pain reliever. A lot of guys use it to treat anxiety and PTSD. A lot of guys and women, I should say, as well. And used to treat depression. It's a rich source of antioxidants. And then uh, really remarkable is that people are even using it to treat chronic conditions like epilepsy, Parkinson's, and Alzheimer's. So we're really every few months learning more and more benefits of full-spectrum hemp and CBD. And the thing that I love about Ned is it's just pure CBD. It's pure full-spectrum hemp, as opposed to these companies that are mixing proprietary blends of all different types of stuff. And you know that it's, it's great and pure right out of Paonia, Colorado. And uh, if you are taking a drug test, their their products, their their full spectrum hemp products do contain a minuscule amount of THC. So just uh, keep that in mind. But as you'll hear Chad talk about their other products like body butter, which you're not ingesting, of course you could use and are great to treat those aches and pains. So if you want to check out Ned and try their CBD or their body butter or their great lip balm, any of that for yourself, we have a special offer for the podcast audience. Go to helloned.com slash battleline or enter the code battleline at checkout and you're going to get 15% off your first one-time order or 20% off your first subscription order plus free shipping. That's H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D.com slash battleline and you'll get 15% off your first one-time order 
or 20% off your first subscription order plus free shipping. Thank you, Ned. Check them out now. You're really going to be blown away as long as like we get into it in the interview. But if your diet is dialed in and all of that great stuff, you're going to feel those benefits. And after a great night of sleep, you'll be able to hit the gym again and do what you do, whether that's also just going to work and being entirely focused. CBD, full spectrum hemp is going to make a world of difference. So once again, that's helloned.com slash battleline. And I often get asked about um, the theme song. I was actually asked about it in a recent comment, and I had to tell Jimmy, uh, I always have to give him props. The music that you're hearing under me, Jimmy Allen from the great puddle of mud. This is a this is a custom intro that he did for us and it kicks ass. So uh check out Jimmy Allen, check out Against All Will and uh and all the great songs by Puddle of Mud which he was the primary songwriter on. All right, with that, let's hit it. From Omaha, Nebraska to New York City, from planet Earth to extraterrestrial life in space, a podcast with no equal, engaged in unconventional warfare through your speakers and headphones. This is a show about embracing the suck, conquering your demons, and finding God in the face of adversity. Chris Tonto Peranto. Switch is on. Motherfucker, I'm going to shoot you in the face. Ian Scotto. You know, Ian and I have been dead for a long time. You are now tuned into the Battle Line Podcast. The Switch is on Battle Line Podcast. Really excited to have on with me today, Chad Solomon, Ironman athlete and uh, friend of, of our friends at Ned. Uh, your story is truly remarkable, man. That's how I came across your story was really the the Ned newsletter. And coming back from a back surgery in 2018, not being able to walk to completing an Ironman is insane. And I'm excited to get into it. Yeah, thank you for having me. Um, I'm excited to do this. And yeah, obviously my first Ironman and that's kind of how I got connected with you guys. So really pumped to be on here and happy to answer any questions you guys have. Yeah. And, and as you know, it's just me for today since Chris is, uh, Chris has like a big event going on in Florida. So, uh, it's, it's just myself. Yeah, my, how it is every now and again. My, my, my roommate Christian just said to say, what's up from <laughs> what's going know, on Christian Chris? Bender. Yeah. He might be, oh, he pops out. Yeah, man. Wait, yeah, I do. I didn't realize. So wait, is that why Christian sent yeah. me an email saying who is Chad Solomon? <laughs> yeah, because he's my room. So that's how this all kind of, I guess, got started was obviously I was working out and I, you know, knowing kind of how he is more in the health and wellness space than I was. And I was like, I'm doing all this volume and training. I'm like, I feel like I'm not rested. I feel like I'm always sore. Like, do you have any ideas? And he was like, you can try this like CBD products. You can try different vitamins. So I was just trying some of the products of some of the companies he was working with. So that's kind of how this kind of all started with kind of the net and then the, the article, et cetera. I had no idea that was Christian just basically fucking with me because I said, hey, we're going to have yeah, Chad Solomon exactly on. I found doing. out about him through you guys. And he goes, yeah, who's Chad Solomon? And I'm like, He's on the newsletter, bro, uh, because I read the story. And, and the cool thing is like Ned always shoots out these different newsletters and your story in particular really connected with me as someone who's into fitness, you know, has a personal training certification. Uh, I, I was just like, this is remarkable. So like I said, we'll get into it. But um, before we do, it'd be cool to get into your actual backstory and, and, you know, growing up and how this all came about. Yeah, so I'm from Palos Verdes, California, which is like 30 minutes south of LAX. It's it's in LA. Grew up just like a typical guy playing high school sports, played soccer and baseball mainly growing up. Obviously, would like go to the beach with my buddies in the summer. Um, was was decent at them, but not really good enough to play in college or at least not actually play on the field. So um, 
after high school, I went to SMU, which is in Dallas, Texas, where I just played club soccer. And that was kind of like officially when I guess more structured sports ended and it was just kind of like on your own to work out. So that's kind of right when I got into, I guess, more of the endurance sports. I ran my first marathon after my freshman year of college, actually in San Diego. Um, and it was kind of great because it's, you know, the thing I like about endurance sports and like triathlon or running, it's like, it's very black and white. It's like, if you go out one day and you're training to run a personal best on the 5k, your personal best is 20 minutes and you're slower that day. Like you didn't get better. And if you go run at 19 minutes and 30 seconds, like your training's working, you're getting better. So it's very easy to track and you can hold yourself accountable and there's really no outs. It's not like, Oh, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like I thought I'd laid it out there. It's like, no, you were just slower. So figure out what you need to do to get faster, kind of follow your training plan. And I kind of, some people kind of think it's, I don't know, unique because it's like, hey, how did you follow and get up early or go up, you know, stay up late to go on this run? I'm like, it's so easy because at least for me, I think it's like, it helps a lot. It's like, here's the training plan. And if on Thursday it says go run 10 miles, you know, all week on Thursday, you have to go run 10 miles. So plan accordingly. So I think that's part of the stuff I like about some of this endurance sports and kind of the long-term training is like, it's very black and white. You can follow a plan. And even if you're kind of new to something, like I had never run more than five miles in one sitting before I ran, started training for my first marathon. But it's cool to think like, hey, 16 weeks ago, I only run five miles and I'm about to go run 26. Um, so it's like, you know, I also really like too that life can kind of just fly by if you don't kind of have structured goals you're setting. You know, a year, you know we're seven months into the year, eight sure. months into the year, and you're like, well, what have I really done this year? like well it only takes 24 weeks to train for an Ironman you could have almost done you know one and a half Ironmans by now so training plans I think that part of it's you know really fun because you get somewhat immediate results you know in the grand scheme of things 20 weeks is not a huge piece of your life and you can kind of look back and say hey that was a really cool experience in the in the interview with Ned you you touched a lot on the mental toughness aspect of training and that actually made me think with us being a more military centric show with that mental toughness, did you ever think about doing something in special ops? Did you ever think of maybe being a Navy SEAL or Army Ranger? Because that that's mental toughness. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I would love to say yes. I mean, I, I love the whole David Goggins stuff. I mean, that shit gets me fired sure. up. I have a buddy who's in the Marines and actually in Australia right now. And a, another friend of a friend we we're actually out with a couple of weeks ago who's a Navy SEAL. And, I just didn't really grow up with too much of that around me. So it was never really in like my mind too much. You know, my dad works in the same industry as I do. And really within my extended family, I have one uncle who's in the Air Force. He's actually a professor at the Air Force Academy who just retired. And that's pretty much the only thing. And, you know, Palos Verdes is, you know, it's a nice area in Los Angeles. So it, you just, it's like kind of what's not in your like immediate bubble, but the, the mental toughness side of things I love because kind of touch going back to like high school when I was, you know, an above average athlete, but I would just grind it out as hard as I could, whether that was in the weight room or training or on the weekends. And the same thing with like playing, you know, doing this endurance stuff when I was in college, like it does not take the best athlete. It just takes being able to fall, you know, having the mental fortitude and like structure to follow a plan to create results. Like, Endurance sports is really not, I mean, obviously you have to have kind of the, the foundation, but it's, it's going to suck at some point throughout the race. Like no matter what, when you're out there for 12 hours, whether it's an hour one or hour 11, like something bad is going to happen. It's just kind of being ready for that to happen. And then just kind of like, I don't know, I, this guy, I follow on like this guy, Nick Bear, who I'm sure, you know, and he always says like, embrace the suck. It's kind of like his motto. Yeah, embrace the suck is uh, it's said a lot throughout. I feel like special operations military because it's something that you'll hear Chris say. It is something you'll hear David Goggins and, and those guys say. Um, but yeah, you were talking about uh, your uh, being in the same industry as your dad. So, what industry are you in? Yeah, so I work in commercial real estate. Um, so when I went to SMU, I was like doing a finance route and I spent like a couple summers, one in London and one in New York, like working in investment banking where, you know, they're working like 80 plus hours a week. And I was just sitting at my desk at whatever hours in the morning at like whatever one and being like, life is way too short for this. You know, what am I doing here at 1am crunching numbers? Um, And, you know, that's for some and it's great. And that probably takes 
a certain degree of mental toughness or, you know, being able to like having shit roll downhill and just, you know, playing in PowerPoint. <laughs> but so I got back to SMU my senior year, kind of got more focused in real estate. Um, I spent a year in Dallas after I graduated um, working at like a small real estate company that was very salesy. Um, and then I moved back to LA about two and a half years ago, working at a large real estate company. Um, and my dad actually worked at the same company for a while. And he actually just moved to a different one recently, but he's in a little bit different of a, a business line, but my job entails like, yeah, there's just a finance side of it, but there's also a cold calling sales side of it as well, where it's kind of business generating, um, kind of eating what you kill, which I really enjoy because every day it's like, you can go out there and hustle and kind of drum up your own opportunities, or you can just sit in your desk and nothing's really going to happen. So it's, it's kind of very similar to how I live my life at, you know, at work as it is outside of work. Yeah. I would also just assume, assume with the Ironman and with fitness being your passion, you have to have a job where you could incorporate that training into your day. And for most people, you can incorporate that in with a typical nine to five job or it'd be very tough to. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely not a nine to five. Um, I'd say it's like a eight to eight, but during COVID, it was like the perfect storm. And I mean, you know, whether that, you know, I probably shouldn't be saying that, but like without COVID, it probably would have never happened. It was always a goal, but it just really sped it up because I was about to start training for my first half Ironman in, I guess, May of 2020 was when it was going to be. And I was going to start in like February training. And right when I was like two weeks into training, literally the first time I got in the pool, COVID kind of hit within a week of that. And I just kept biking and running, biking and running, assuming that this race would happen. Um, and as the races just kept getting canceled, I was like, okay, well now I'm 18 weeks in, I'm probably only like a month or two out from like being able to really up the volume to do a full Ironman. So this is the summer now of 2020. I'm like, it doesn't look like COVID's going anywhere for a while. I'm working from home a couple times a week. I have like the work-life balance to go put in 20 hour weeks working out. There's really nothing to do on the weekends. Like this is, this is the time to do it if I'm going to do it. Um, and as they kept getting canceled, as the net article talked about, I just kept kind of resetting the training plan, finding like the next available Ironman and just kind of going backwards and working backwards. So if the next Ironman was six weeks out, if I was already at week 24 in the training plan, I would just go back to week 18 and just kind of follow the plan along until I got to the next race. So it was supposed to be like a 20 week plan starting in February and it ended up being like 37 weeks. I didn't do the Ironman until like November 10th. So, you know, it really helped my speed and my time and my, my, you know, fitness, but it lasted a little bit longer than I was initially planning. Yeah. And I think we got to take a step back from even that. I mean, cause the really crazy thing to me is just a year before you started the training, you had back surgery and you could not walk. That's what's remarkable about your journey to me, because I do know people who have uh, completed Ironmans and I do know people who have worked through injuries but not an injury of that magnitude. Yeah. So I guess the initially started when I was in high school, I had a herniated, well, I fell playing soccer and I herniated a disc where like you're getting a numbness down the leg, like into your foot. And like, you know, it's, it's super uncomfortable. It's not like you can't walk around, you can run around, but it's just like, it's kind of nagging and it's super uncomfortable. And then, but when you get it loose, it's kind of when it feels the best. So like when I'm running, I'm like, man, my back's great. I'm back. Like, this is awesome. So when I was training for these marathons in college, like, yes, when I was out there running, it was amazing. But in reality, I was just obviously making it a lot worse. But I mean, similar to like what you're talking about, like I'm sure all the people with military backgrounds can relate to this. Like I just couldn't sit still. Like to me, it was worth making it a little worse to be able to go work out. So I was just going stir crazy when I was like doing PT in high school and like, Oh, just go lift weights for 45 minutes. Like I'm not breaking a sweat. I'm not like in that the endorphins or the runner's high or whatever you want to call it. So I, I ran in the marathon after my freshman year. And after that, I got like my first like epidural in my back, which provided relief for like probably two weeks. Um, and then I went back to college. I was doing PT like on and off maybe once a week ran another marathon after my sophomore year in Amsterdam when I was studying abroad. Now it was pretty bad. Um, actually ended up herniating another disc, had another epidural, wow. not much relief. So now I just finished my sophomore year of college. So I guess it's 2016. 
And then my junior year, I stopped playing soccer because it just hurt too much. And I'm like, all right, this is getting bad. And I'm only 20 years old or 21 at the time. Like I have my whole life in front of me. You know, I got to be careful. So I kind of just went through my junior year trying to run a little bit, not as much, didn't run any marathons, didn't do anything crazy. And then at the end of my junior year, I had another shot. So I was three in, I'd done all the steroid packs, like the oral pills, not really providing much relief. And then my senior year, I started to see like specialists, like, hey, this is really bugging me. Walking hurts, sitting for too long hurts, like airplane rides were miserable. And so, and my dad had a similar surgery like 10 years ago when he was probably in his thirties and he was like in the hospital for a couple of days and it never like really got back to where it was even pre-surgery because the you know, medical field wasn't where it is today. And so he was like, there's no way I'm letting my 21 year old have a back surgery unless like you're in a chair and you like can't move like this. The risk is ridiculous. And I was like, Hey, I've seen, you know, a doctor in California two in Texas who had an MRI. All of them say, do the surgery. So when I graduated college, I just flew home the next day in 2018, had the surgery within like a week. And yeah, like, you know, even though it's an outpatient procedure now, cause the, you know, medical fields really improved. Um, it's still like the first two days. Like I remember one day I got up, well, barely got up, like with help with my brother, like went to the bathroom. And as I'm like standing, trying to get back to the bed, just couldn't walk and just went down. Um, so for like a month, all I did was just lay around after like a month, I do like a two or three minute walk. And of course the doctor's like, dude, just stop running, find a new sport, not worth it. And I was just, you know, kind of in one ear out the other. Um, and my parents, although now very supportive, were like, we're obviously not paying for this or going to be helpful the next time this comes around. But I was like, this has always been a goal or a dream to, to do an Ironman. So I initially just, I guess took about a year off in Dallas where I was kind of rehabbing it. And then within about six months when I moved back home, I kind of started training because of COVID. Yeah. For the audience who isn't familiar with the Ironman, uh, break down the, you know, the three events of the Ironman because it's, it is intense. Yeah. It's um, well, I guess the, the taking a step back, the first time I saw it was, NBC plays a special every October. It's the Ironman World Championships where they take a 15-hour day or almost 20-hour day for some and turn it into like an hour and a half TV show. And it's super interesting because you see the elite athletes who go out there and crush it. And then you see like the everyday mom or dad or whatever college kid who's just out there with a cool story um, of how they got there and kind of what their background is, maybe similar to mine. Um, and it's a 2.4-mile swim which takes the average person probably like an hour and a half and then immediately 112 mile bike, which probably takes the average person like, I don't know, six and a half to seven hours. And then immediately to a marathon, which is the 26.2 mile run, which plus or minus four and a half hours, depending on the conditions. So when you add them together, it's six, it's like, it's probably the average male finishes in like 13 to 14 hours. And the average female is like a 16 hour day. What goes through your mind for for all of those hours as you're just competing at such a high level? Yeah, I mean, the swim, I I dread. I get super anxious. I mean, even though I grew up in Los Angeles in Southern California, it's open water swimming is a whole different beast. You can't see your you can't see your hands sometimes. There's people swimming on top of you. And when you're training swimming, it's all about like keeping a calm, rhythmic stroke, keeping your heart rate down because, you know, you've got to breathe. You can't just breathe whenever you want when you're swimming. you got to kind of stay on a cadence. And so when I, during the swim, luckily, like and the thing that's I guess I enjoyed it more than I thought I would, but it was really different was since all the Ironmans got canceled, I just did it by myself. So I've done half Ironmans in like a competition with other people where there's other racers and there's aid stations and there's music and there's spectators. But since they got canceled, I was like, I haven't been training so long. I'm not going to wait for the water to get freezing in December or have to wait, keep training until, you know, next spring. I'm just doing it now myself. So I swam in Marina del Rey by myself, biked by myself on PCH, carrying my own nutrition, and then parked my bike back in my apartment. And my roommate, Christian, and some of my buddies actually rode bikes while I did the marathon portion, which was pretty fun because we were like playing music and it was a good time. But 
you know, I don't know. I think the biggest thing is there's so much anxiety right before you start because you're like, what am I going to do for 12 hours or even anxiety before a, a you know, two hour run? Cause you're like, Hey, like this is kind of crazy, but I know I can do it, but I just want to get going. Um, and the first probably hour or two of an Ironman or first hour of the bike, 30 minutes of the run, you're like pretty anxious. Cause you're like, Hey, I just want to get far enough in where I'm kind of in a rhythm. But I mean, thinking back on it, I actually have no idea like what I thought about on my bicycle for, for six hours. Like when I'm on the bike, I'm like, I'm thinking about this. I'm thinking about that. But like, are you, are you so in the zone that, are, yeah, are you so I mean, in the zone that you just space out and your mind is like, cause I've had it on long runs where your mind is almost in this meditative state where you don't, you, you block out everything. Yeah, I mean, I'm. I mean, I spent probably five of the six hours on Pacific Coast Highway, which is probably one of the busiest streets in Los Angeles. You know, re- along the water where there's cars going fifty or sixty, and like I couldn't, you know, tell you once if I got honked at or anything. So once, yeah, once I'm in a rhythm, I just have my my watch, which I'm just checking probably every minute about like how many watts am I putting out, what's my heart rate, what's my speed. And then just, you know, it beeps every five miles. I'm like, okay, there's another five. And I, every 40 minutes, I'm going to take another view. And every 10 minutes, I'm going to take a sip of water. And every other 10 minutes, I'm going to take a sip of the electrolytes. And I'm just going to stick in this rhythm until we're at 112. It's intense, man. What What are you listening to when you're doing that? Uh, nothing. Uh, I feel like I would like have Iron to listen Man to rules is like... Yeah, they, that's like part of the, I don't know how, if that's a hardo thing that Ironman, you know, does for safety or like to make it extra intense, but like they don't let you listen to music while you're biking or running. So that's um, I brought my headphones and they died. So after like 20 minutes, I, I mean, I just ended up listening to nothing and on the run. We had like a speaker, but nothing in my ears. You know, that's I think, like a David Goggins thing too. David Goggins said that in his book that he listens to nothing. Yeah, I think I had like a, like in a, a same thing as similar to everyone. Like when I go to the gym or like in a, a lot of times, like when I was in college or even, you know, right. still going to lift weights. Like, and I forget my headphones. I'm like, Oh, I'm screwed. Like I can't do this without my headphones. And then doing all the swimming and a lot of the running, like it's like, once you get into like the first five or 10 minutes, like, like you said, this meditative state, like music's pretty much going in one ear out the other, unless it's like your favorite song. So I was like, we'll just ditch them anyway less to worry about the crazy thing that you said in the interview to me is where you said you don't have to be the greatest athlete to do this anyone can do this and i would highly disagree the only thing i've done that's not even comparable is i did a half marathon and i felt like that was super intense i mean you have to be an incredible swimmer an incredible runner and an incredible biker to be able to do that for that long of a period and have the mental toughness. Yeah. I mean, yes and no. I mean, same thing. Like I grew up in Southern California. I never did junior lifeguards. I never swam more than six minutes in a row at a time. And the first time I did training, I thought I was going to die. I was like, this is impossible. Um, And the first, and I didn't even own a bicycle before I started training. I went and bought the road bike. And then the next day I just did my first long ride, which was a three hour ride, which to put it in perspective, like I, it was, it was hillier than on the actual day of the race or the, when I did the Ironman race, but I did 48 miles at like 12 miles an hour, you know, wearing running shoes and basketball shorts, no like actual cycling gear. And the day of the race, I averaged 23 miles an hour. So like just, you know, over the 36 weeks, just got a lot faster. And obviously I had the clip-ons then and that, arrow bars and all the different kind of gadgets but you know i just i guess i always kind of knew it was it was doable just on the people i knew that i'd seen do it whether they're like family friends or the athletes on tv i was like there's nothing special about joe schmo from north carolina who just finished in 14 hours like he just followed this plan maybe he trained for longer than i did but like I just was competitive, like nothing that he did wrong or anyone I knew did wrong. But I was like, I'm just not, there's just no way that it's not just doable if you just follow this. Like you just have to stick to it. So it sounds like running is your strongest suit of the three. Uh, yeah. Swimming is definitely not. Um, 
I, you know, it helps with like the, the wetsuit you can wear and it's the, you know, the best swimmers to the worst swimmers, like that's not really where you can like save a lot of time just about getting out of the water and not being gassed. I would say cycling is probably my favorite because you can, when you're kind of like in the aero bars, like you, you not only like are going fast, you feel fast, like, you know, going 25 or 27 miles an hour on like a machine that you're powering is a pretty, pretty good feeling. Running's nice, but just kind of having like the stigma in my head of like pretty much injuring myself because I ran too much. Like I tried to load up on the biking and limit the running when I was training. Um, although like I, you know, I'm toying with my, the next thing I'm going to try to do and it's might be a running goal, but um, definitely not the swim, but I think biking would be my favorite. Did, did you uh, compete in anything, you know, long distance prior to doing the Ironman? Because I think sometimes people have these aspirations to, to do something as intense as the Ironman, and you have to start kind of smaller than that. I mean, I, I have a friend who had no background in athletics, no background in running, and wanted to complete a full marathon. He ended up not doing it be, because I think that's a huge goal for someone who is starting from zero. You know, as someone who ran a half marathon, I thought it was extremely tough. I don't know if I'd be able to do a full marathon uh, unless it was at a really slow pace. Did you do anything prior to really get in the groove of doing, you know, I know you said a half uh, half Ironman, but anything prior to that? Yeah. So, well, I mean, the marathons I ran are obviously a great foundation for the Ironman. I think that if you haven't run a marathon in a structured race before an Ironman, you'd probably be pretty freaked out about not only being eight hours into working out and then you got to go run a marathon, not knowing like what could happen in a marathon. Um, Cause in the first marathon I ran like same thing, I never ran a structured half marathon like race. Obviously when you're training, you do 13, 14, 15, 16, whatever up to 20, 21 or 22. Um, but when I got to the San Diego, I was like, okay, great. This is my first marathon. Like I trained my ass off for this. I'm going to fly, but I'm going to start slow. I get to San Diego and I'm like, oh, this is great. Like the weather's perfect. It's cloudy. It's like 70. There's people out screaming at me. I don't even really know them, but screw it. They're they're getting me gassed up. So I start running way faster than I should. I'm like looking at my watch and mile six. I'm like, I'm clipping like six forties. I'm like, let's go. I'm going to break. I wanted to break four hours. I'm like, I might break three hours. Like, so I'm like, you know, I get to mile 14 after running like five miles in the sixes or, and then I'm kind of slowly trickle back into sevens. And I'm like, and I, I get a cramp and I'm, I feel horrible. Like it was all caught up to me. Like I did not follow my training plan. I did not study the course. And at the last half of the marathon was three was, was pretty much all downhill to all uphill. So, and I just kind of sat there like, all right, well, I'm not quitting obviously, but these next two hours are just going to absolutely suck. Um, and then I have ended up finishing, like going to the medical tent. I needed an IV kind of like collapsed, but like having had that experience, I kind of knew like, you know, fast forward and a year later, I did my next marathon. And I actually was, when I studied abroad, I'd only been there for a week and I actually had a one-on-one fever, but same thing. I had my buddies with me and I'm like, they're in Amsterdam with me. Like, I'm not, not going to run this marathon. It's going to suck for probably plus or minus four hours. But in the grand scheme of things, I want to do this. I'm here now. We're doing it. So I kind of knew with those two experiences that at the end of the Ironman, like there's no way the run was going to be worse than those two experiences. Like I was like, there's just, it's just not possible. And then also I I'm kind of glad that happened because when I was training, I was like, if you shave off a minute of this, this, you know, training block, you know, if it says run for an hour and you run for 50 minutes, like all that shit compounds into a bad result on race day. Like the training plans there for a reason. If you cut corners, it's going to kind of blow up in your face. So it really gave me that extra energy to maybe even, do an extra workout a week or do extra 10 or 20 minutes on the bike or the run, because I'm like, that can't happen again. That was horrible. And what do I have to do to avoid that? But so I guess like, what? so yeah, those two marathons. And then I did one half Ironman before my first half Ironman, I had never even done a triathlon. So it's pretty funny. Like when I was getting into the water, everyone's like, Oh yeah, that's like my 13th half Ironman this year. Like, Oh, this is my, you know, seventh Ironman Arizona. And I was like, this is my first triathlon. Like, got any tips? 
(laughs) (laughs) That's cool. That's great. Hope that you're enjoying this interview with Chad Solomon. I wonder if it's inspiring any of you to do an Ironman. Uh, it's it's inspiring me to to be my best and to train hard and embrace the suck, as we say. But it's not necessarily inspiring me to do an Ironman because I, I could barely swim in you know a little pool, let alone swim that distance. It's just not going to happen. What is the distance again? I got to pull it back up. Yeah, there's no way I'm doing a 2.4 mile swim. Not happening. But you know what? We hear about guys who want to challenge all the time on this show and maybe didn't do the special operations thing and they're too old now. Uh, this is a challenge. This is a fucking challenge. So uh, if you want a challenge, I would say it doesn't get it doesn't get greater than the Iron Man, I don't think. Uh, with that, though, I wanted to give a shout out to our great sponsor that keeps us going every single week, keeps us doing this show, and they've been on board since pretty much day one. And if you're a shooter and you haven't shot with them yet, I don't know what to tell you. you got to get on board. Fort Scott Munitions, they are a manufacturer of multi-federal patented solid copper and brass CNC-spun ammunition. It's designed to tumble upon impact in soft tissue, leaving devastating wound channels for faster bleed out and quicker incapacitation. Tumble upon impact, that's their trademark. And if you go on YouTube and check out Fort Scott Munitions, you'll see that there's a world of difference between shooting with Fort Scott and just shooting with any regular ammunition. This was originally developed to innovate and improve on the standard of military-grade ammunition design, and it was found that not only did the TUI ammunition outperform competitors in the self-defense industry, but it quickly became apparent that it would be a top contender for hunters alike. With the ammunition being CNC-spun, the tolerances are some of the tightest on the market, ensuring that you receive the same results with each pull of the trigger. Uh, we got SHOT Show coming up in like, uh, I guess it's like six months, but I've, it's been on my mind. I, I look forward to hopefully meeting those guys there because I love what they do. And I also love their merch. And uh, as a listener of this show, they do have an exclusive offer that you could check out their Tacta Squad shirt or any of their other great uh, shirts or hats. So go to fortscottmunitions.com and use the promo code BATTLELINE for 15% off your order. And that's only for listeners of this podcast. Now, if you want to get the ammo, you got to go in store because they were just selling out too quick on the website, truthfully. Uh, but you can go to fortscottmunitions.com and you can click on the dealer locator right there on the website. Click the dealer locator on fortscottmunitions.com and you're going to find the nearest dealer to you that sells Fort Scott Munitions. So fortscottmunitions.com and on the merch Promo code BATTLELINE for 15% off. Fort Scott Munitions is a proud supporter of BATTLELINE Tactical and the BATTLELINE Podcast. And of course, Chris Peranto, who will be back with me next week. But I hope you're enjoying this interview. Let's get right back to Chad Solomon. So so let's say someone is listening to this. They're inspired. They're either someone like you coming back from injury um, or they're someone who, who just wants to get in shape. They're obese. They're starting from zero. And they're saying, I need to make a change. I mean, what would you say is the is where you start, where you begin? Because going from nothing to an Ironman, as I said, that's unrealistic. What tips would you give someone who's just trying to get into something and, and be the best version of themselves? Yeah, I think, you know, that's a great question. And for me, like, whether it's like, I guess, depending on what your goal is, but if you're trying to lose weight or trying to get an endurance sports, it's, I guess, trying to like, if you're going for the losing weight approach, it's, it's so hard to, I think like lose weight or, or chase a goal. If your goal is, Hey, I want to be, I want to lose weight. But the thing that was great with Ironman and like the way it works and for any race is I was so focused on like doing an Ironman and like this goal of like, I want to be an Ironman athlete that you just end up in good shape as a product of following the training plan. I think the biggest thing is you have to have a training plan and you just cannot lie to yourself. If you're the type of person that's kind of starting from nothing, maybe you need like a triathlon coach or a running coach who doesn't kind of show up with you in person but they write you a plan. You have a weekly call that says, Hey, how did your workouts go? Oh, they went horrible because I skipped three of them. Like that accountability is the most important thing. And you just have to be very upfront with yourself and know, Hey, 
I'm the kind of person that's very self-reliant and I can just find a training plan online and that's going to work. Or I need a lot of accountability and I need someone there with me. Um, and I think that's hugely important and kind of, and, you know, the more people that, you know, I kind of like the idea of like telling a lot of people that I'm doing this because then you're kind of like, well, shit, now I'm doing it. Like, Hey, like it doesn't, I mean, and the more people you can get involved for a workout with you, like I have one buddy who probably spent 50 hours on the bike with me over the course of the training plan. And like, you know, he wasn't doing the Ironman, but he was someone I could talk to about it. It's so like the more people you have involved that are kind of supporting you along the way that aren't going to give you shit when you don't want to go out on a Friday night because you're going to wake up early to go on a bike ride, that all kind of compounds and helps. I think a lot of that comes from within, though, for you or for anyone, because I think a lot of people um, have these fitness goals at, or weight loss goals or something, and they focus on the outside and they're like, you know, I, I'll show these people who think I can't do it or someone who's maybe not getting dates or something. They're like, oh, I'll, I'll be able to get that person. And then you realize that everybody's very focused on themselves, I think, in society. And at the end of the day, yeah, you could accomplish all these things. Most people are not going to give a shit. You're the one who has to really care from within and you have to stick to this goal. I think, I don't know if you disagree with that. No, 100%. Like no one's going to be like, Hey Chad, it's time to get out of bed or whoever person X for your workout at 4am on Tuesday. Like you have, it's definitely got to be something that you want and you want all the time. Like, you can't just be like, oh, I watched the Ironman special and that seems fun and I'll train. And like, you have to be kind of like, I kind of talk about like when you get really fired up, if you can like put that energy in a bottle, it, like almost like it's a smelling salt and like smell that every morning when you don't want to get out of bed because it's 4 a.m. and this is a dumb idea or why am I doing this? Like, it has to be something that's like your life is revolving around and you just can't turn off. Because if it's like some just inkling, it's going to fade, whether it's in week two or week three or week four. And especially for these, you know, maybe bigger goals, like 24 weeks in the grand scheme of life is not long. But in the grand scheme of, you know, just the day to day life, like six months is a long time to kind of beat yourself up. So you got to really want it. Yeah, it helps to have all the external factors. But ultimately, it's it's you that has to decide, like, I'm going to make this happen because there are going to be roadblocks that you can't really even for, you know, know that are going to pop up, will pop up. And you have to be, if you don't want it bad enough, it'll make you quit. Sure. Yeah. We've gone pretty deep, I think on the actual training itself, the other aspects, I think to any, any type of, uh, of challenge physically is the diet, the recovery, of course, the supplementation as well. And I want to get into all that. Uh, of course, we'll talk about Ned. But but first, I'm wondering the diet. What what do you eat on a regular basis when you're training for an Ironman? It's probably not the best thing to say, but I, I did not have any specific diet. I, you know, am still young. I'm 25 at the time I was 24. And I could kind of get away with eating like, you know, shit for lack of a better word. I mean, I'm not eating like McDonald's, but there was no like, I'm going to take down X amount of carbohydrates and X amount of protein and heck, you know, all that stuff. I think typically the big things for me that I focused on were the weekends were always really heavy blocks. So on Friday night, I would focus on eating a healthy meal. It was probably like salmon and pasta or chicken and pasta before a big bike ride. Then post like long workout nutrition was something I also focused on. So if it was a big block. It was always, I'd finish, I'd have protein, a protein shake, athletic greens, like an electrolytes via like an emergency or a noon hydration or whatever it might be um, to kind of like immediately refuel your body. So there's like a one or two hour window where if you're just like lazy and go have a soda and sit on your couch, like it'll take you a lot longer to recover. But if you can just instantly kind of pump your body fuel full back with kind of all the stuff you just depleted it from, it, it really seemed to help me out. Um, but then kind of Sunday through Thursday or Sunday through Wednesday, I wasn't as concerned with it because there was, you know, you know, a, probably a one or two hour workout in the morning and then a one or two hour workout at night. And you can kind of get away with, you know, just eating the return foods, whether that's like a chicken sandwich or a burger for lunch, 
not 20 minutes before you go swim or run, but just kind of being aware of what your plan is for the week and kind of planning around that. Um, but it was really just big meals on Friday and Saturday night before workouts. And then on long workouts, just immediately kind of replenishing the system. And then I obviously had a very specific nutrition plan when I'm actually in the middle of the workout. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised. I think for some people, it would be a more strict uh, meal plan, you know, uh, of how many carbs they need to get in before they go for a run and also getting the necessary protein. But uh, I mean, it's all fine tuning, I would assume for everybody. And, and for you, it seems like the other stuff took priority. Correct. Yeah. I mean, and, and I'm no like professional triathlete. And as you really kind of want to lock in, like obviously when I was like a week from racing, I was very specific with when I was eating that week. And like, you know, I didn't have any caffeine the, the, the week of the race or the week of the half Ironman. So that when you take the caffeine the day of or the morning before, like it really jumpstarts the system. So like different tips and tricks like that. But for me, it was just about getting across the finish line and having a little bit of fun while doing it. Not as much about, hey, like, is this nutrition plan going to save me two or three minutes here? Like, and it's so hard to quantify. Like, I think a part of, you know, a big thing is like, it's mentally exhausting to go work out, have, you know, let's say 15 workouts a week. Like, if you have to have those 15 workouts, and then for me also, like, be so structured in your food, like, it's, it was kind of exhausting for me. It was kind of like, almost like a release to know, like, okay, I just busted my ass for six hours. Like, yes, I'm going to have a protein shake and all this healthy food right now, but like, I'm going to have two Chipotle burritos for dinner and I'm going to be fired up about it. And I know that's probably not the best for me, but like, that's like also another like reward, if you will. Um, Cause I just felt like if you're following like the food super strict and the training super strict, it's like, it's a 24 seven job. And that was just a little too much for me mentally. So having like a little bit of like mental releases was, I think, helpful for me at least. I'm not sure if that isn't the best thing to have. I think it might be because it's like I'm thinking about this. And as uh, as I'm listening to you, I just Googled it because I remember always hearing like Michael Phelps with his training ate some absurd amount of calories because he's burning it all off with that swimming. You know, one of the greatest athletes of all time. And from what I'm reading here, I mean, this is just a quick uh, Google search, but he was eating 10,000 calories a day. And you don't do that without eating something like a couple of Chipotle burritos a day and a lot. Yeah. Of yeah. So, I mean, that was the cool part too. Like at the time I was burning probably, I think on the average week when I tracked it, like between like 18 and 20,000 of active calories a week. So that means you could pretty much wow. take down 5,000 a day and you're chilling. So it was kind of fun to be like, go to lunch for, after, you know, when I'm at work and be like, yeah, I'm going to get a salad and I'm going to get a sandwich. And I'm just like, doesn't matter. I need it. I'm, I mean, that's the biggest thing too, is like, it shows up in your training. If like, you're not, if you're fatigued. So like a lot of these, the big time pro triathletes, like you'll see, like, they'll say like this guy, Sam Long, who's a really fast triathlete. Lo always say strong is fast. He's like, if I'm hungry, I eat. If I'm full, I don't like your body kind of tells you what you need to a certain extent. So don't stress yourself out. You'd be like, well, I already had my 500 calories of, via chicken for dinner and that's what i've allotted myself like on the day of the race be more specific but when you're training like you just got to continue to fuel your body because it's just going through so much that whatever it takes to kind of get you ready to get out there the next morning or that evening or whatever it may be is is, is what you need to do that makes complete sense to me i feel like as you train more you get to know what works for your body better and you will have days where you're like hey i'm i'm craving something like steak i'm i'm not craving animal products. I'm just going to have like oatmeal right now. Um, and I think a lot of people don't get in touch with their body because they're not physically active like that. Uh, I'm wondering, actually, since I mentioned him, do guys like that inspire you guys like Michael Phelps? Like who who inspires you to be your best? Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, I, I mean, right now, I love watching the Olympics. I think that stuff's, you know, pretty incredible. Um yeah, I don't, I can't, you know, I mean, maybe to your point earlier, like there's never really been, I guess, one person that's, that stands out from the rest. Like it's typically been like a internal fire or fuel that like has gone to me kind of to most of these like races or why I wanted to try them. Like, yeah, I get the ideas from seeing other people, but it's not like, oh, that, you know, person 
I want to be there. That, you know, gets me fired up. Um, I obviously really enjoy kind of like the Olympics because it's a lot of these sports are more individual and similar to like endurance sports. But um, I wouldn't say there's, there's one person or kind of one or a group of people that kind of have inspired me more than most. It's just, I kind of come up, you know, see a crazy idea. And then if it, you know, if I'm tinkering on it for a while, then I kind of know like, Hey, this is something that's not going to go away. So it's time to kick it into gear. Um, and that's like how Ironman started. And that's like how there's some other stuff at some point I'd love to do, but similar to your point earlier, like, it just has to be enough of a goal to where you're ready to sacrifice essentially the rest of your life, whether that be socializing with your friends, working a little bit less than you might be if you're like trying to get your career started or a new job. Cause it's just like a lot of these, you know, endurance sports take a lot of time. However, if it's like, Hey, I'm just trying to get to my first 10 K like there should, it really needs to be a goal of yours, but you can still work that in with a typical, I think probably nine to five and, have fun on the weekends and do different things. But for some of these longer days, like you can't go get on a bike for five hours after having a six pack the night before and going to bed at midnight, just, it doesn't work. Um, and you're really kind of selling yourself short in my opinion. Yeah. I remember, um, I think it's in some kind of monster, the Metallica documentary, Kirk Hammett talks about getting clean and how he got into surfing. And he's like, look, if you are drinking the night before, you are not going to want to get up in the morning and go catch waves. And it seems like something like that is what inspired him to be sober. Because it's like, I have a passion for this thing. I don't want to screw it up by getting my body into that type of shape. Yeah, and I always said like, and I still say like, if you go out and get beers with your buddies, and I, and I love doing it, by the way, it's great. But on Friday and Saturday, you do this, let's say for, for six months and you go to the same bar most of the time or one of two or three. And you do that after six months, you've done it 20 times. Like you're not going to remember probably time 18, 19, 20. They're all going to kind of blur (laughs) together. Yeah. We had beers. We went out, we were laughing. It was a blast, but you will remember for the rest of your life. Like I sacrificed going to the bar probably 10 or 20 times, but now I've done an Ironman. And what's the next thing you're going to do in a couple of years? It's like, having these black and white because you just don't forget those memories. And whereas when, you know, you've done something a lot or the same thing with watching TV. If you watch, if you binge watch a show, I've watched an entire series of Ted Lasso in a day, but looking back on it, I'm like, Hey, whether I watched 10 hours of Ted Lasso or five, I still would have watched a shitload of TV, but I could have been on a bike for five hours and still watched five hours of TV. So I think it's just trying to be, like I said, very like, structured with your time and realizing like life and just days can fly by if you're not very focused and like kind of have a goal, um, which is what I think is, was really helpful in kind of make accomplishing in the Ironman. Absolutely. And, and for what you do, there's guys who do it in their twenties and then there's guys who compete for the first time in their fifties and sixties. If, you know, if they're at that level, which is in, to me, a crazy level, Uh, The other thing that I wanted to get into, as I said, was supplementation and recovery. And the two kind of fit together with Ned. And it's not just a shameless plug. I mean, the fact is, really, you need to be able to get a good night's sleep to be able to do what you're doing. You're not going to feel ready to to get out there and run or bike or swim if you're not sleeping a full for some people, nine hours, 10 hours in some cases, uh, and, and Ned has been incredible. I mean, I was skeptical at first because a lot of supplements on the market are really snake oil and they're the complete opposite of that. When I tried CBD, I'm like, wow, I'm remembering my dreams. I'm not feeling drowsy when I wake up. Uh, they just, they're great with what they put out. And that's why I became a believer. Yeah. I mean, I had like, initially I mentioned the game, my roommate, uh, Christian Bender who works with Ned, um, and I was, he'd always been kind of more growing up, more kind of plugged in with like supplements and like, you know, maybe more of a better diet than I had. And when I was training and my roommate too, or my prior roommate was also kind of very plugged into that scene, whether that be like, you know, CBD or different like organic foods. And I was like, Hey, like, I'm just wiped. Like whenever I wake up, like, yeah, I'm getting through the next workout and I'll drink a lot of pre-workouts Then when I'm 20 minutes in, I feel electric, but I'm like, you can't just take pre-workout for 12 hours. Like I need a solution here. Um, so that's when I was like, okay, I, you know, was trying to have more protein and I was like trying to, you know, whatever, take vitamins. And like, 
all that. Yes, I'm sure that stuff helped to a certain extent, but that's when Christian brought up Ned and I was using both like the, you know, the, the oils you put on your tongue that's like helpful for sleeping um, and like relaxation. But I, I thought the best product for me was like, I really like the body butter. Cause like, you can really notice that within like, I think a couple of minutes or almost like 30 seconds. Cause there'd be like a lot of soreness muscularly and like on tendons and joints after you go sit on your bike saddle for six hours, like your rear and your low back and your hip flexors. Although like your legs are loose, that part is so tight because it's a really funky position to be sitting in for so long. So I'd kind of cake that on like on my hips, my hip flexors, my low back. um, And it was great. And then I also would have like, sometimes I'd feel like after like a really long workout, like I'd lay in bed or like I'd get back to try to nap and I'd be like so ramped up and also depleted, but also like kind of spaced out. (laughs) I'd be like kind of like anxious and I couldn't really relax or nap. And like, that's when the CBD stuff I think was really helpful. Like I was taking that before I went to work. Like it wasn't all like, Oh, you know, like if, you know, I was thinking I'd be drowsy or like, you know, it just kind of helped me relax. And then also when I was going to bed, so it was essentially the butter and then the, the oil, I guess, under the tongue at least twice a day for, you know, four or five months. And you're a really good test uh, case study in that too, because of the fact that you were coming back from a major injury and the fact that this helped you get to the point that you're at now. Yeah, no, I think it was, is hugely beneficial. I still use it, but I mean, like, I'm not training at all to the same extent, but like, I think the there's, definitely a time and a place and it's very helpful like when i get out of the shower like i said the butter if i could just lift it or like my back's bugging me which still flares up here and there like it's kind of like that immediate relief because like you know i was i'm not my pain levels let's say it's like a two or three out of ten like it can solve that two or three out of ten and feels like it takes you down to a zero you know to where it's like kind of bugging me and then it's all of a sudden not which is great because then i can just go about my day-to-day life as if nothing's going on they're also just a great company too. Like the guys behind the company, not just Christian, but you know the founders, Rhett and Adrian. I love the whole message of everything. It really is a message message of positivity. And I feel like in the supplement industry now, so much stuff is just about marketing and and doing all types of crazy stuff to get the name out there, and and also just making flavors of everything is now has to be like bubble gum and cotton candy. They are really like a no bullshit brand, and it works. Yeah, I know. I would agree. I think there's a lot of, a lot of shit out there that you see, especially like, I think some people also like, like, as you mentioned, like you need to do like a lot of the blocking and tackling. Otherwise maybe you won't get some of the benefits like that. Like if you're eating pizza, you're not drinking water, you're really just treating your body horribly when you're doing that. Like it's going to probably still feel bad with (laughs) whether you're having that or not. Like if you're doing kind of the blocking and tackling for the average everyday person, it still provides, I think a ton of value. Like you don't have to be, LeBron James or whatever, the guy who wins the Ironman race to be like, Hey, I I need this. It's really helpful. It's like, it's really helpful. I think for the average person, as long as you're doing kind of the basic blocking and tackling correctly, like it just kind of adds that next tier to your recovery, which a lot of people say is like the fourth sport of triathlon or is either like that or nutrition, you know, because obviously you run, bike and swim, but then like, what are you putting in your body? How are you recovering to be ready to do it again, whether it's later that day or the same day or that, you know, next day. I agree fully. And and that's why I like that they've never marketed themselves as like, this is a magic pill. This is going to solve everything. They've never done that. It's it, There's always been an incorporation of getting your diet right. And and that means something different for a lot of people. I mean, I, I learned a lot just using my fitness pal, and that's obviously not a plug. It's just a free app. I know that they have like paid versions, but yeah, seeing my macronutrients every day and just eating clean sources of food. And I know for people, they're like, well, what does clean sources of food mean? I mean, it's just eating a lot of fish, as you said, or, or meats and not eating all this processed junk because the American diet has become just so much processed junk, so much stuff that's marketed as healthy when it's not healthy. And the, and the most healthy stuff out there are lean cuts of meat, brown rice, vegetables, fruits. It's not, you know, it's not the hardest thing, but we've all been wired to love these artificial ingredients and artificial tastes of everything and artificial sweeteners. And that's really what's killing the American diet. I think all these fried foods, you know, my mom, my mom would love you. You just, that's my mom. <laughs> in a nutshell. That? Yeah. She just, I think probably like 10 years ago, like, you know, she, 
was in the medical field. She's a speech pathologist. Like she used to like drink a ton of soda, like when she was working and like probably like 10 years. And, like I like, you know, lucky charms and shit growing up just because I like was a colorful box. And then probably like 10 years ago. We all did. Now, I think, I, I think we all did. Yeah. Now at our house, it's like, it's very, very organic, you know, where the products are sourced from in terms of her diet um, and she's very aware. And I think, you know, I always joke, I'm like, I think she's going to live until she's 150. Um, she may be not in like the same fitness shape she was when she was, you know, in her thirties, but, you know, in terms of like a, a diet and kind of what she's consuming, I think it's like extremely impressive and takes a ton, um, of kind of like mental fortitude to kind of follow that strict plan. Cause I mean, it's, it, and, and a lot of it does taste pretty good, but like she's doing the, the juices and like she's really got it all kind of figured out. And I always give her a hard time. But that's like, it, it literally was like, oh, I feel like I'm talking to my mom right now. <laughs> I mean, the, the quality of life is so much better, too. Like, I don't know if I'm going to live to be 100 and something, but I can tell you the quality of life is way better. And, and as a guy now in my mid 30s, it does catch up with you. If I know if I was to eat the way that I ate as a teenager, I, I would be feeling like crap. I feel so much better than I did in those days where I wasn't into fitness and I wasn't eat, into eating right. It, it does make a world of difference. And yeah, as you get older, it, it you know, exacerbates that. So uh, the last thing I actually wanted to ask you about is, you know, we like to touch on, on faith on this show and inspiration. And I'm wondering like getting through an Ironman, getting through a back surgery to be able to do what you, you do now is there a higher power that you feel like guides you to yeah. do this? And there's no right or wrong answer. I mean, no, no, what, I, uh, what do you think? no, it's a great question. I, uh, well, I guess talking about, like, I always was inspired by my brother to a certain extent. He's 28. He was, I don't know if I'm supposed to say this, he might be mad at me, but he was fairly overweight when he was in college and then kind of kicked it into gear, like right after he graduated and lost like 40 pounds and has like since nice. kept it off, which I think is very rare. So that's been like now, you know, five or six years. And, you know, he will probably say the same reverse. Like I'm never going to do an Ironman, but he was training with me. Like, and I think one day we'll probably get to the starting line of a marathon or a half Ironman together. Like that's something I always, I always would think about when I was out there. Um, but yeah, I grew up, um, pretty religious. I would always go to church with my mom and brother, um, grew up in like the Catholic face. And, you know, I'm always kind of, we'll be saying prayers every night before I'm going to bed. And yeah, I think, you know, yeah, I think I'm fairly lucky just kind of with my upbringing and, you know, I'm well aware of that when I'm out there, I'm like, Hey, like my, my pain is, is climbing this, this hill in Santa Monica for 20 minutes. Like that's a pretty good life I'm living. I'm on a whatever thousand dollar bike and I'm on wearing this, whatever nice, you know, clothing to go do the bike ride. Like life's pretty great. So I think I just try to kind of keep it in. I think just the biggest thing for me is probably perspective um, is, is kind of what I take away from it. Cause it's all how you look at it. Like, you know, I, I, I'm very fortunate that I can go ride my bike for seven hours on a Saturday and I'm not working or things like that. So I think that's, you know, having the perspective makes it all a little bit easier because you're like, you know, if you're out there thinking I'm the best or blah, 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 and I'm, you know, I'm the only one suffering, like, you know, you're, you're choosing to do the Ironman to a certain extent or not to you are. So just having that perspective to be like, Hey, like, yes, it's difficult, but things could be much worse. Um, it's kind of what, you know, I would always be in the back of my head. You can always push a little bit harder when you kind of have that perspective. <laughs> Yeah, if, there, if there's a theme to this interview this past hour, I think it is that, you know, when we talked about going out, drinking and, and sacrificing that for for accomplishing a goal that you could have for the rest of your life and say, hey, I did this. It's that instant gratification, like the best things in life are not the things that you get instant gratification from. It's the things that you work hard towards and that you sacrifice that instant gratification. No, I think that's spot on. And I always used to used to say that when I was in college and I was training, it was like, you find out when you are studying for a test, like the test is in a week, you get an A, that's great. You're, you're getting an interview, you might get instant feedback. But yeah, like having a goal and like sticking to it, like the whole, like, I think the biggest thing is like, you have to enjoy the process as well. Like, yes, you have to, you're excited about the end result. But like you also just kind of got to enjoy like, little things like, Hey, I just PR this hill during my training. Um, 
But just like you said, like 24 weeks when you're in the middle of it, like feels like forever. But looking back on my Ironman, you know, it's been probably, you know, it's been eight months or it's been like a year since I did the half Ironman. Like it feels like forever ago. And like, I'm so happy I did it um, because of those exact reasons. Like, you know, it's going to be something I carry around with me forever. And it's going to probably push me to do different things that are kind of similar in vain. Um, so, yeah, I think the instant gratification, like you said, the, the best things that I've done in the fitness world or even not the fitness world for work is the stuff that compounds over time and takes three months, six months, a year to see those results. Yeah. Or to go full circle from where we started, you got to embrace the suck. No, absolutely. Um, and I just think it, you know, it just makes life easier. I feel like, Hey, I can do this bike run. I can sit on my desk. I can get up earlier. I can just kind of just, it all snowballs in my opinion. Like it just, it overflows into the rest of your life. Well, this has been great, and I, I think a lot of people are going to ins- be inspired from it because I know there's people coming back from injuries who have goals in mind, and I think your goal was a huge goal that you crushed. So uh, you could follow Chad on Instagram at chad.solomon, and that's S-O-L-O-M-O-N, chad.solomon on Instagram. Let him know how you like the interview, of course. Go check out Ned. Net is great. We love their products. That's why we talk about them on here. And uh, link in the description for our promo code, of course. And uh, yeah, we're going to be doing in a couple of weeks a uh, guest-free two-part show, Chris and myself. So any questions that you have for us, just email battlelinepodcast at gmail.com. We'll do our best to get to it. So any questions at all, battlelinepodcast at gmail.com, whether they're for Chris or they're for me or the podcast at large. And also, we need your reviews. So leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, yeah, it really helps us out if you leave those five-star reviews. helps us in the rankings. Um, anything else we didn't touch on? This has been great. I, re- I really appreciate you coming on, Chad. No, I, it's been awesome, and I, I really appreciate it. It's super fun for me. I mean, for anyone that listens to this, I, I like to think I'm just like them. Like, I'm just an everyday dude who's going to go to work today and you can still accomplish something, in my opinion, that's pretty cool. It just takes a little bit of time to, to get there. Absolutely. Never give up, right? Exactly. Exactly. No, but thank you so much for having me. I had a blast. Thank you, yeah. That's all for this episode of the Battleline Podcast, but we'll be back on Monday with more American Straight Talk. Until then, be sure to follow us on Instagram at Battleline Podcast and on Twitter at Battleline Pod. To sign up for future Battleline tactical courses, go to www.christantoperanto.net. Believe in yourself, face all challenges head on, and as always, never quit. Never quit.